listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 420. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we begin our look at the German Netflix post-apocalyptic series, Tribes of Europa. Whoa, 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 Dave. I thought we were doing Dazed and Confused this week. Oh, for our 420 episode. Yeah. yeah let me, I watched the wrong thing. Me, All right. I'll just, I, well, I'll, I'll figure it out. Let me push through the haze here. Um, yeah. Now, Fred asks, why did we pick Tribes of Europa? And yeah, it's a fair question. We don't generally address why we pick certain shows. I mean, maybe we get into it uh, during the course of a discussion. I mean, on the one hand, I think you and I generally try to go for shows that don't already have a big podcast devoted to them. You know, you mentioned last week getting ready to do a fringe rewatch, which I would love to do myself. And then Fred mentions in his feedback, oh, maybe you guys could do a fringe podcast. But, you know, when, when there's already kind of what I consider an iconic fringe podcast out there with yeah. Daryl Darnell, I'm a little reluctant to, to go there. So I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what new could we offer to 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 fringe that that those guys um oh my god i can't believe i forgot daryl's clint partner clint right i mean that was that's one of the first podcasts i i listened to yeah um and Mm -hmm. it was great and and yeah i don't think we could really say anything to add to that as far as podcasting so i don't know yeah, yeah I'd, 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 I'd say it's unlikely that we would do Fringe because, as you said, you know, we want to try and come up with things that are, you know, maybe a little bit off the beaten path, you know, things that don't, you know, not like we're not going to do Game of Thrones. I mean, we'll talk about Game of Thrones. We're not going to podcast about it because it's been done ad nauseum. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I understand the argument. Well, we'd like to hear what Wayne and Dave have to say about Fringe. And OK, that's a valid issue but it's probably not likely we're going to do fringe but you know never say never, never. Say never though right, right? yeah right. absolutely and, and the other thing is i mentioned to you in a facebook message earlier in the week when i thought about it we really haven't done a true post-apocalyptic show i mean dark angel to a certain extent is post-apocalyptic after the uh you know, the pulse or whatever. I can't remember what they called it, knocked out everything. And and then, of course, there are elements of dark that indicate a post-apocalyptic world. But but a a show that's truly built around that idea, this is pretty much the first one, at least, that I could remember. And, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. I couldn't think either. You know, and, you know, for Dark Angel, the, the world of Dark Angel is not really different than our world you know right like, yeah it was after some kind of big event happened but basically we recognize pretty much all the elements whereas you look at tribes of europa this is a world that is vastly different from our world yeah exactly so uh anyway i'm looking forward to it six episodes we still haven't told you guys what we're going to do after tribes of europa and we're going to hold out on that just to make sure everything goes as it's planned but if you want to contact us with feedback, questions, comments, whatever, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is how you can reach us. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. All right, tip of the week and, and what we're watching. Well, I'm watching season six of Lucifer because I have screeners for it, and I'll be covering it again on an episode-by-episode episode basis for Den of Geek. 
It drops September 10th on Netflix. And, and I've mentioned Lucifer before, and, and I know you don't watch it and haven't watched it. Dude, it, it's just it's just a great show. And, and it's one of those shows that, you know, now that it's on Netflix, I'd really urge people to go check it out. It's probably not at all what you think it's going to be. And, you know, Neil Gaiman certainly has a, a hand in this. It's based on a character that he created. So, uh Lucifer, Lucifer, Lucifer. Season six will be <laughs> now, on Netflix uh, on the tenth. So check it out. So has Neil Gaiman written any of the episodes or anything? Uh, you know, I I want to say he may have written the pilot, but I don't. You know, my confidence level is not real high on that. I'd have okay. to go back and check. But it's it's a character right. that he created. I'll, I'll say that. Cool. So anyway, what about you? Well, I mean. I feel like the character of Lucifer was created you know, before Neil Gaiman. Well, that's true, <laughs> but but not the, not the character that got uh, tired of being right. in hell and decided he was going to vacation in Los Angeles and uh, open. Oh a- wait, I thought that was in the Bible. Hold on, <laughs> yeah. it's not. No. Okay. Um, well, I'll start off. I'm, I'm not going to really talk about because we talked about it last week, but I did go and check out Gunpowder Milkshake, and I was surprised that you like that dave you're really into those i don't I think you're really into the the shoot 'em ups kind of that was that was one violent ass movie man well it was but maybe for me it was because of the the fact that it was all women which is something right. you don't ordinarily see and, and again I, I love karen gillen she might be my favorite companion i have to really think about it because they're all so good, but uh, yeah, yeah. she may be. So there is that. And and seeing Lena Headey outside of Game of Thrones and outside of Sarah Connor Chronicles, I mean, you know, she can do gunplay with the best of them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Well, and Michelle Yeoh, too, and yeah. Carla Gugino and everything. I mean, the, the cast was was awesome. The, yeah. You know, the female cast, at least. They were, they were super awesome. You know, I liked it a lot. <clears throat> I came up with a name for it. I don't know if this will go well, but I call it John Chick. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Right? Little, little play on John like, Wick there. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. This is like just like the John Wick movies, especially all the bad guys who are running at him with like no guns. <laughs> you know, <I'm> like <laughs> yeah. all these guys going to take down the super dangerous, uh, the super dangerous killer and uh, – they bring like a baseball bat or a crowbar with them. I'm like, do they not have guns? But yeah, uh, but then uh, that if they did, then the, the fight scenes wouldn't be as awesome as they are, and they were awesome. And uh, it was really, uh, it was very, very enjoyable movie. Super, super violent. Um, so if you don't like a lot of violence, I wouldn't recommend it. But uh, enjoyable, and as you said, the especially the the female actresses were all outstanding and did a great job. And especially with their as action heroes, they did it awesome. It's fantastic. So, so yeah. So the uh, the next one is um, I watched the first part of which is all they have so far of Leverage Redemption. Um, which is not a um, genre per se, but is, you know, obviously Dean Devlin is in charge of this bad boy. And, uh, you know, there's Christian Kane is in there and Noah Wiley from The Librarians. 
I don't think you, you you haven't seen Leverage, have you? I have. Well, you know, I've seen a few episodes. I tried to get my okay. wife interested, and I, I don't know, she just wasn't into it, so I haven't gone on. Okay, cool. I mean, I just I love Leverage. I mean that that series was awesome. Just really, really enjoyed it. And then now to 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 be able to get back to these characters, obviously without Timothy Hutton, um, who you know made some choices in his life that have come to haunt him and unfortunately cannot be part of the, well, I don't know if I should say unfortunately. I mean, just it, it is what it is, you know. And his character uh, certainly obviously was a big part of the original show. And he is kind of, I put the air quotes, replaced by Noah Wiley, whereas before, you know, the Hutton's character of Nate was in charge of everything and was kind of like leading the, you know, all the, the, the cons that they did. Noah Wiley's character just joins the group, and so he is not in a leadership position. Um, but, you know, I defy anyone to not like Noah Wiley, at least as a character. You know, like he might be the biggest jerk in the world in real life, but in his acting, the characters he plays, he's just, he's just such so darn likable. He just gotta root for that guys well you know and i think one of the best choices he made is is taking on falling skies because it enables him to show a side of himself that i think people maybe didn't feel he could pull off and and he clearly can pull it off so you know i mean it's so different than his character in the librarians and that's great that that shows the breadth of his acting ability yeah yeah it's, he's just, he's great. And uh, obviously, you know, missed him from the librarians. And it's, it's especially great to see Christian Kane uh, at work again. And, um, you know, just all these guys. It's, it's really good. And, and the whole Leverage crew, uh, Beth Reesgraf is, you know, her character uh, is always good for a laugh. Probably the most, you know, funniest and weirdest character on the show. Um yeah, just really liked it. So, if you have not seen Leverage, if you like caper shows, especially, uh, or caper movies, if you're like into the Ocean's Eleven movies and stuff like that, then Leverage is totally up your alley. You should go watch that. And as soon as you've done that, then go watch Money Heist as well, because that's you know, the next. Cool. That's up there, too. All right. Sounds good. All right, well, let's get to Tribes of Europa, Season 1, Episode 1, titled Chapter 1, written, directed, and created by Philip Koch. And there are a number of YouTube interviews with him where they're done in English, if you're interested. Uh, This one dropped February 19th, 2021 on Netflix. So right at the start, and again, a lot of shows do this, and 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 it's fine. It, It saves a lot of time. No, it's not, Dave. Well, okay. So in 2029, a mysterious global blackout led to decades of chaos and anarchy. Old nations disappeared. Countless micro states emerged, developing their own beliefs and cultural identities. These are the tribes. And obviously, it's an understatement to say that world building is critical to the show's success. And some Mm -hmm. pinhead interviewer says to uh, Philip Koch, that I was surprised how good it looked. Now, on the one hand, neither of them is English native speaking, so perhaps something got lost in the translation. I'm thinking like, 
dude, that's kind of an insult. But I, I yeah, think I know bit. what he means in that to create a world like this takes a lot. And this is not Game of Thrones when it comes to a budget. So I kind of know what he meant. But I, again, I think they, they do a wonderful job here with, uh, you know, with the world building. And I guess... All right, if I could just step in on that real quick, Dave, because that is obviously, when you have a show like this, you know, getting people to buy into the world is, that's like super important. That's like the probably the main task that you have to accomplish with episode one. You know, th- I think they do a really, really good job of, A, you know, giving us bits of information to show us what the world's like, but also to, you know, visually draw us into this world so it's believable. Like, not just showing us what the world is, but but having us look and say, you know what, I can see how this place could exist. Right. And I think if you are paying attention at all to what's going on in the world, to not think we're not far away from this kind of a scenario taking place, you're not paying attention. Mysterious global blackout. Well, we already know with hackers getting into infrastructure systems, it's not all that far-fetched to bring everything down. And then what? You know, we're already talking about here in the West Coast of the United States that water is becoming a serious issue. Well, what do you think it's going to be like when people can't get water? So if you think this is too far-fetched, I don't think you're really paying attention to what's really going on in the world. So I'll I'll just leave it at that. Now, if you do the math, you know, Liv gives us the the little voiceover at the beginning, and we know Uh. we're in 2074, which means the story's taking place 45 years after civilization has fallen so when you look at some of the older adults and i'm guessing that the the sibling's father is probably in his late 50s maybe 60 although he looks like he could be a little older so some of the older adult uh, adults may remember what it was like and what technology existed before and you know, we we certainly see mainly with Elio, who seems to kind of be obsessed with the time before and, and and all of that. That you know, there there probably are materials out there, history books, whatever that that will allow them to get a sense of what it was like before. Yeah, well, that's that's one thing that I was kind of wondering about. It's a lot of things. I'm like. Given that it's yeah, you know, it's been a long time between you know the 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 blackout or you know what they call Black December, or whatever, right? And now, so that only the very oldest people, especially you look around, there's not there's no one really really old around, you know. Like the oldest people are like Jacob, and like you said, maybe sixties, late fifties, early sixties, you know. Maybe I hope the actor isn't hearing this and getting annoyed <laughs> right i should have looked that up first before i made it call but you know he's obviously one of the older guys and the uncle mark who was ever you know these are like the oldest guys but they're not that old so it's like there's not people who would really remember much about the world before it was most of the people are are young and clearly born after the thing happened right although we do see that little shrine that elia has 
built with clippings from you know the time so so yeah what i'm saying you know there are newspapers still lying around perhaps books that that indicate what may or may not have happened so i guess that's where they're getting their knowledge about what it was like before but we do get laid out some information about the tribes and and obviously the the main tribe that we see are the origins Chloe, the sibling's mother, and we'll talk about the siblings in a second, founded the group. And their whole idea is to retreat from the old world, live in peace and harmony in nature, free of technology, since it's what caused the fall, which may or may not be true. We don't necessarily have a lot of information unless you argue that taking down the technological infrastructure is what caused it. And you'd have a pretty damn good argument there. Yeah refugium is their home and and their little slogan all life is one which really does come to be a factor in this episode the other group are the crows who are ultra violent dress in black black eye paint we, we've seen this look before and you wonder yeah. okay are are did, did they choose this look based on the films that they saw back in the 21st century Um, now granted these people weren't alive but they're we assume just the latest incarnation of the crows so uh you know we get that also the crows see are more connected with it seems with the old world you know they they live in the city still and everything you know it seems like they still have cars and things like that Right, and they're embracing technology such as they can acquire it. Um, Capitan Ivar is the warlord of the crows, and it, it, we hear that term bozies. So I guess just soldiers of the crows. I mean, certainly you know lower in in the chain of command, guys. The uh, did you think anything differently about that? No, 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 okay. I thought it just meant like, yeah, like foot soldiers, maybe. Okay. Now, obviously, the big narrative event that takes place is when this ship crashes, and we learn that it is uh, Atlantean. And uh, what we do learn about the Atlanteans is that they have advanced technology beyond what is known to the rest of the world. So, whether Atlantean is a play on Atlantis or you know the atlantic ocean i mean we i think geographically we pretty much are safe in assuming we're in germany i mean we know we're in europe but since they're all speaking german i think it's safe to assume we're we're in germany at at you know at, at some point we hear about the crimsons but we just hear about them crimson territory uh we need to go to the uh camp arenberg so are the crimson some military group i mean based on what we get out of this episode you know we can maybe infer that but but beyond that we don't really know we hear about the republic but that's it i mean they have a flag so is this what's left of any kind of a traditional government maybe but the last one that's another good thing well that they do with the, the world building also which was very cleverly done. So they don't throw everything as you know. They give us in bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. Like we're going to kind of organically find out about these things rather than just you know include 
the you know more of the unfortunate choice to go with a voiceover in the beginning um <laughs> and uh and and tell us everything like that way you know like she just gives a little bit and then you know we're going to find out about this world a little bit at a time as we go through yeah and and, and then the last one that we hear about at least that i noticed were the raiders and we don't really hear much about them except that everybody really fears them i'm thinking like all right, are, are they like the Reavers? Right, like the Reavers, right? Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I mean, I kind of got that right. They're the ones, I believe, that they said cut off Uncle Mark's arm and ate it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, that's dark. Right, but but I don't know that any other tribes get mentioned in, in this episode. And, and you know, certainly in, in a 45-minute episode, that they, they like you said, they give us a lot drips and drabs which is is fine at this point but but in in terms of this episode one of the first things that i thought of as we get to the end is that saying no good deed goes unpunished and in retrospect it's easy to say they should have left the pilot and i do like the fact that the father makes that decision we've got what you want you you know you can have them you know again you you have to make that choice Um, right we didn't ask you to crash in our territory and okay fine you know that that you know that whole saying all life is one i suppose you could interpret it that all life is sacred that we all we're all part of this this circle and you know we need to take care of you as well well, no, we don't. Uh, you know, yeah. the group's survival maybe should take precedence. So I, I like that the father took that stance, but I like that it did become a question. And, and even for him, initially he was willing, okay, fine, we, we've got him here, we're treating him. But then once the crows show up, all bets are off at that point. So. Well, right, because it's it's like you know they they live in this kind of idyllic slash idealistic world where you know you know the as Jacob says like the forest will protect us, which is true because you know you don't have anything that anyone else wants. That's why you're safe. It's not that the forest does a great job protecting you. It's just no one wants what you have. No one wants to be in the forest. The crows don't want the forest. They want the tech. They want technology. They want to be in the cities, right? So, yeah, you're safe. But once you have something that other people want, you're not safe. And, you know, we see how, I mean, Fred points out that they do fight, but their their fight is, you know, there's only like, what, like six or eight crows that pretty much kill everybody, you know, like... You know, these, these people definitely aren't fighters at all. And they have, you know, bows and arrows and stuff like that. A couple rifles that shoot, you know, one bullet at a time. So, you know, they don't have the capability to stand up to an organization like the Crows. Right. And it does appear that they have engaged in some tr- physical training because they're aware of the world outside of the forest. And they're aware that it's a pretty violent world out there so that maybe we should be prepared if something ever happens. But, but as you say, they're, they're no match for the crows. That's for sure. Um, In terms of the story, 
it, it boils down to this search for the cube that the Atlantean pilot uh, has and then gives to Elia. And then, of course, the siblings being separated is now uh, obviously the main storyline that I think we can guess that if the idea is eventually will they be reunited in some form and, you know, what what's going to happen with the cube. So Fred mentions predictable and, and yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, we, we've certainly seen uh, this sort of a storyline before. We'll see how they handle it. Um, you know, we mentioned that opens, opening scene with Liv, played by Henriette Confurious, uh, and, and she is the leader of the sibling group, right? This little, this little trio. Uh, I assume she's older uh, <clears throat> than Keanu. Do you think that's probably true? I, I, I think that's that's probably true. Um, though, you know, Keanu is upset when Liv is put in charge. Um, when Jacob says, "All right, I, I got, we're going to go check this out." Liv, you're in charge. You know, like he's he's annoyed that he picked her. It, so that's the only time that I question whether he was actually the oldest or not. Because you know, otherwise, what you know, why would he be upset unless he's just like a misogynist, right? Right, right. And, and we do see in this opening scene that this is a flash forward, right? Because. Uh, Liv is in some sort of a military style uniform and then we see Keanu being led away and she vows to find her family so then I guess it's uh, we flash back to how it all started so right that and, and, and again that's all we know about this point but which it, it comes into play in the story because when she gets stabbed we're like well she's not gonna die because she, you know, right. she was alive in the beginning of the of the show, and like you said, the flash forward. So, um, you know, we 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 know that uh, there's at least two people who are going to make it through this. Right, exactly. Now, Elia is the youngest brother, played by David Ali Rashed, Keanu Emilio Sakraya, and as you said, he's a little chuffed that dad puts her in charge and, and seems to trust her more. And whether it's because she's older, whether it's because she's a young woman, you know, we're not sure, but, but despite all of that, I think what really comes through is, is the bond that these three siblings have with each other. And that something as small as dad, picking live that's not going to do anything to their relationship and 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 we know that and and then we know that you know keanu wants to leave he wants to see what's out there and and he's kind of the dreamer of the family i think is what Mm -hmm. comes out of you know this first episode while live is more pragmatic we need to stay here you know mom set this up so that we could survive and and that you know, we won't make the same mistakes as the last generation. So, so we get that, but at the end of the day, they love each other and, and, and that's not going to tear them apart. Right. And and as you know, Jacob says, whatever you do, stay together. You know, obviously everyone is, that's exactly the opposite of of what uh, happens here. Um, But, but you, you get that those, the, those bonds are strong enough that from the, the the live that we see in the in 
the very first scene is, you know, she says, I'm going to get my family back together, you know, so whatever motivation, her motivations aren't like geopolitical, right? They're very personal and come from those strong bonds between these siblings. Right, right. And, you know, while they're out on this hunting expedition, which at, at first I thought it was centered around food, but it, it, it's not. It's more ceremonial that Elia is ready for his rite of passage and in, in their world taking down some sort of an animal. I believe he gets a wolf, right? I think he gets a what, wolf. Right? Yep. And, and they're pretty impressed by all of that. But it, it's as they're preparing to return that that they see that ship crash. And, of course, we later learn it was shot down by the crows. And, you know, they, they go back and forth about whether or not they should go investigate. And again, in retrospect, no, you shouldn't have. But, but again, on the other hand, how can you not? I mean, you, you need to know whether it's going to present a danger for you. And I guess you could argue, well, this is pretty damn high technology. Of course, it's going to present a danger. And they even right. recognize that, no, this is not like anything that was around before black december and right but again that's actually that line was where i was like well how do you know <laughs> like you know like elia is maybe 14 15 at the most you know so like he you know i mean like you said i mean yeah there's probably books and stuff but but like really like you know like how, how would how would you know how would these kids know that that what crashes there was not something from before. So I think that might actually, I'm going to kind of chalk that up as a mistake with the script. They probably shouldn't have had him say that line. Okay. Well, I mean, again, I think that, I mean, this isn't like uh, the ancient libraries that burned in Rome. Now I can't remember. Alexandria. Alexandria. Right. I mean, it's not like that where they burn and then that's it. There, there's nothing. I mean, even with the fall of technology in 2029, there, there's just a wealth of material out there. So unless you had groups going around burning that knowledge, which, yeah, I mean, maybe, but I mean, there's just so much of it out there. I, I just got to believe that that they've had access to stuff. But you know, again, we'll see. So, you know, we see that little rite of passage ceremony. And the one thing that did strike me is they're dancing around. And you hear the music, and at first I think, well, okay, that's just music over top of the scene. But then the scene goes away, and, and we're seeing, I think it's Keanu and his girlfriend, and you hear the music in the background mm-hmm. from a distance. Well, where'd they get the music? Do they have, like, CD players or... Yeah, I guess maybe they do. With batteries? And- re- yeah, I mean... <laughs> All right, I guess they they haven't rejected all technology, right? I guess, and and again, in, in these kinds of world building situations, one of the things I always wonder about: where are they getting their clothes? Now, it's forty five years later, but but we also know, and and I think rightly so, that in these kinds of catastrophes, there's a huge run on items. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe way back they stocked up, and they've got you know somewhere in there. Uh, forest, you know, a stockpile of clothing and and whatever batteries. So okay, you know, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. That that's okay. We're also then introduced to Lord Varvana, played by Malika Foratan, 
and she is a member of the Crows. She goes to meet the Capitan to tell him, one of my patrols shot this ship down. Give me permission to go investigate, and you're going to get all the glory, or you're going to get all the the benefits of, of whatever's out there. And, you know, you look at a group like the Crows, and, and you almost want to say that, you know, that's this loose organization, this band of, you know, marauders or whatever, but there's clearly, you know, a chain of command here that must be adhered to. And, you know, they, they let us know that's true. And uh, violence is, of course, the order of the day, I guess, to a, to a certain extent. But they're also worried about political escalations because apparently it crashed in crimson territory. And, and again, what we said the, the crimson were associated with Camp Arenberg. So are they afraid to go into the military zone? Maybe. And yeah. probably with good reason. So, um, you know, we, we don't know what kind of weaponry that the crows actually have access to. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it just... You know, shows you, I mean, like, which again is a big point of the show is that how society has kind of taken a step back. So now there aren't city states, right, that can offer people protection. Um, and it's now you have these, these little tri- quote unquote tribes, but also, you know, while not clearly defined borders necessarily, but, uh, you know, there are borders nonetheless as to, you know, this one group's area and another group's area. Right. And and again, maybe we'll find out about that. You know, certain shows would, you know, give you maps in various instances of the show. So you get a, a sense of, you know, where the, you know, the, the different delineations, uh, delineations are for the you know, different countries or, or uh, tribes at this point. But eventually, uh, Jacob, decides we're going to go out look for the craft and again and i get your point on on this but they realize it's a craft that didn't exist in the old world and that's when elia finds that mysterious crew uh cube and and of course there's no pilot And, and i think they even say it looks like the cockpit is missing for them maybe that's you know something that doesn't make sense the first thing i thought well it probably had an ejection system and he just ejected and and that's why the cockpit is elsewhere so again not an important detail you know we we find the pilot eventually what do you think about elia at this point i mean is he just not young enough to be making the mistakes that he's making or the the poor decisions or or are they not poor decisions i don't know well well it, in in the short term right obviously in the in the context of just this episode um it does seem like a very bad decision to pick up the cube but also one that i mean we get it he is despite mo- very recently being invested as an adult he's still a kid right and is still going to pick up that the shiny object near the crash site and everything against probably his better judgment right he probably without even telling like the fact that he hides it shows us that he knows it's it's wrong right but you know we feel like 
especially with the pilot, that that there is an obvious tremendous importance about this cube and that as the pilot says, if it falls into the wrong hands, um, I can't remember what he says about if, but I just, he's like, Oh, he just says, don't let it fall in the wrong hands. I believe, you know, so that it's whatever it is about that cube. And, you know, the, we see the, the technology, it scans the pilot size, the scans Elia's eyes. And then now it is quote, you know, belongs to Elia or he is the, the controller of it or whatever. Um, I mean, it is a pretty impressive piece of technology. And, you know, like I said, I mean, uh, its importance seems to be pretty intense. And, and so while I, him, his taking that cube leads to the slaughter of his tribe, you know, you really get a feeling that the, the worst thing would be for that cube to fall in the hands of the crows. Right. And I think it's fair to assume they would have killed them anyway even had they turned the cube over to them but right true right but the irony i think also is is that we go through his rite of passage ceremony and we understand it's a rite of passage that he's 13 or whatever so yes he's an adult and and i guess you could argue well in this world you grow up a lot faster and i'm sure there's a lot of truth to that but he clearly does not make an adult decision you found something that you know is significant and you hide it rather than turn it over to the people that are arguably a lot smarter and more experienced than you are. And, you know, I mean, like we said, even if he did that, and even if, uh, uh, Jacob turns it over, they probably all get slaughtered anyway, but still it's a bad decision in that part. But, you know, you mentioned him finding the pilot and him, the pilot telling him a lot of people are, are looking for me. And, and, you know, we, we know all that and we get a sense, you know, it, it, this is a violent show. I mean, there's no question, but, but I think yeah. this is a violent world. And I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. If you don't think that this is a real possibility for what could happen, I don't think you're really paying attention to what's out there in the real world. So when, when uh, Jacob and Mark are out investigating as well, and, and you know, they go into crimson territory and they see that flag of the Republic and they're like, what are they united now? And, and then uh-huh. of course they come upon the aftermath of a massacre, which we know because there's one guy that's barely alive that can tell them, what happens like okay you know from a narrative perspective i i can roll with that whatever because then he dies or they just leave him to die whatever but yeah well you know he he has to die right there after you know just barely getting out the information that he needs to in his last words yeah yeah as 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 friends there are some elements of this that are you know a little cliche but I'm okay with a little bit, like something like that. I, you know, it's not the best. I would have liked to have had them get that information in some way that wasn't quite so, you know, um, easy so, so cliche. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to overlook that with the, you know, n- numerous good things that this show has going for it. 
Yeah. Now, now you mentioned the cube and when Elia takes it to the pilot and, you know, it scans the pilot and then it scans Elia, who I guess is now the primary user or, or whatever. And, and the pilot's kind of vague as to what the message for my people is, is all about. But he says something dangerous is coming from the east. And I'm thinking, well, OK, if they're in Germany, the east, are, are, are we talking Russia? Are we talking China? Are are we talking Poland? I mean, I mean, there, there's a lot out there to the east, and there's no reason to to think that countries like that, Russia, China, who were already under authoritarian rule back pre 2029, you know, maybe they remained more intact than the rest of Europe. Right, that that's a great point. You know, just we we know what's going on in Europe. That's not necessarily the case with the the rest of the world, right? right. So yeah, sure. Um, so it is, you know, potentially China got out of this, and they're still okay, and they're still you know a a, a single organization, country, whatever that has you know its own super huge army that could. You know, re- probably do some damage in Europe with uh, all these disunited tribes, or you know, or from the Balkans, or from you know, whatever the the east. There, there's a lot to there's a lot to the east. In fact, if you really think about it, the whole world is to the east technically. You well, know, right, but, uh, and, and we don't know yeah. what happened in North America or South America or Africa for for that matter. So, right, right. Um, you know, are are they experiencing the same sorts of things? And my guess is we'll never find out. And that's fine because a lot of these post-apocalyptic shows don't really acknowledge what's going on in the rest of the world. But but again, you know, th- yeah, especially Dark was a great example. Yeah, we yeah we right. make fun of that, but yeah, like Dark never really you know addressed there being anything in existence outside of of Winded, really. So right, yeah. right, and and then we talked about that that scene towards the end of the episode when uh, Jakob has decided we're just going to return the pilot to his ship, get him out of our hair. And before they get a chance to do that, the crows descend on the camp and, and he offers up the pilot and he says, there's no reason we have to have all this bloodshed, but it's almost as if the crows want to send a message, whether for the future whatever but as you mentioned earlier it's a slaughter because they're just out outnumbered outmanned and the pilot gives the cube to elia and again you could argue now how did he get away well okay number one he knows the forest and while the crows certainly were able to navigate the forest they don't know it like elia does so Okay, fine. You know, we see how he escapes and gets away and he's headed to the Ark. Now, we have no idea what the Ark really is. You know, in certain science fiction shows, the Ark turns out to be almost like a technological futuristic Noah's Ark that the last vestiges of humanity have gone aboard and whatever so we we don't exactly know what that is but that's that's where he's headed the pilot says the cube will lead you there okay fine and and then at the end we see that that jacob and and the others have been taken prisoner being interrogated as a group and 
Vervara, she <laughs> she's pretty hardcore, right? I mean, okay, fine. Uh, Uncle yeah. Mark is going to like, yeah, I know where it is. It's up my ass. Yeah, well, okay, you got balls. And now you don't. No, so, you don't. So yeah. at the end, she doesn't get the cube, but then we see her taking a group back as slaves and leave some old uh, soldiers to search for the cube. So, so again, we know Elia gets away with the cube. We see Liv alive, but wounded. Uh, and as you said, well, we, we knew she was going to survive that for, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the flash forward. And dad has been taken prisoner as has uh, Keanu. And, and that's of course where we're left at the end of the episode. So, Anyway, um, what haven't we talked about? Well, you know, I mean, this this whole deal with the the you know the crows, and and they're you know again we have this urban based group dressed in black, right? And then we have this um, I guess we call them rural. I don't even know if rural is the word for it. Pastoral, yeah, uh, sure. group dressed in earthy colors and everything, you know. So we get, you know, the the, the costuming and everything is is really good, and you know, clearly defines which group is which and everything. It's, you know, what what is we wonder what is the Capitan's goal? You know, what does he want? Does he want to? Is he someone who wants to retake Europe and? you know, again, uh, unite all of Europe under his domain or rule or whatever, because it doesn't really seem that, right? Because he still, like, has a pretty, like, you know, his organization is pretty localized. Right. You know? So um, just we, we wonder what, what the, the deal is with those guys, what what he wants. Because, you know, like the, the Origines, they just want to exist, right? They don't have any plans for dominating or growing or anything like that they just want to be left alone in their little forest and everything so right and, um, and, and you made a good point earlier that they don't have anything anybody wants so it, it's like the the perfect storm so to speak right you know it, it's it's weird because we still need to know i guess more about this world still to figure out what what is going on here you know what what do they want you know does he you know the 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 way that people are dressed. You know he's got his 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 uh, advisor there with all the piercings and stuff, dressed in leather and everything. It just couldn't be any more different from the Origines, right? Sure, right. And, and they are creating a look, and and it is one that is designed, I, I think, to terrify anybody that faces them in any kind of a situation. So, but it goes back to what you said. What is their end game? Are they happy with the world that they control at this point? Is that enough? And we don't know yet. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Tribes of Europe. Um, first mistake or nitpick. Tribes of Europa. Do you ever use the word Europa in English? Of course, in my language, Dutch, it is Europa, and also in German, is Europa. 
So over here it does end with a A. Strange combination. Talking about languages, I immediately can go on. I think this tribe is situated somewhere in the German area and they speak German. But as soon as they are communicating with other tribes in the same area, they switch to English, which I think is very strange because it's a nearby tribe. If it would be a tribe further away, I could understand that. And in the previous podcast about Ragnarok, you were always amazed about interspersed pieces of English. And of course, that's true in the European languages. We often use some English phrases, etc., swear words or something like that. But so much as it's used here is very unusual. It's like you go to the next village and you start to talk English to them. I do watch this series, by the way, by exception with my wife, although currently we are watching Atypical together. But I just turned 60 this week and as a present she had, okay, next Dave and Wayne series they pick, I will watch with you. And of course, she knew it was only six episodes, so if it's not something she really likes, it's just a medium offer. Which could mean that some of my feedback will come from her. One of her remarks was that she found that these forest-dwelling, quite peaceful people could quite give a fight to these crows. Okay, they lost, but still they could fight in quite a decent manner. How much combat training did they have? I do say, for my taste, it's a little bit too violent with these crows. This name Crows reminds me of a recent series I watched, namely Batwoman. There is also a kind of police force there that are called the Crows. And about Deja Vu, when Elia goes into this bunker and there is a wall with all kinds of newspaper clippings, it really reminded me of Dark. Also in a kind of bunker, also concrete wall with all this stuff on it. So far I find the story a little predictable, but reading some feedback, not to be spoilery, it seems that the first three episodes are a bit like that, but the last three are quite different. So we just watch on and wait for that. That was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. You probably have explained it, why you picked explicitly this series. I'm very curious about that. Also, psst, by the way, because my wife asked, why did they pick this? And I had to say, I don't know. Talking about English phrases in our house, this is one of the most used phrase of my oldest son, almost 20. I ask him a question in Dutch, and frequently the answer will be in English. I don't know. P.S. number two. You were talking in your last podcast, so about the season two finale of Ragnarok, about considering to doing Fringe. And I would very much like that. I'm doing several kinds of old series, series you refer to very often, series I had never seen before, such as uh, currently Defiance and Sanctuary, recently Extant, Dark Angel, Birds of Prey, etc., And Fringe is still on my list, so I would very much appreciate that. And PS3, Wayne, I just heard that they are finishing up the season 3 filming of Snowpiercer, and there is announced that there will be a season 4 already.
So, yeah. Okay, bye. All right, now, he mentions about where the tribe's located, and, and I think it's safe to say in Germany, but he brings up a good point that we seem to be talking about quite a bit uh, over the past few weeks. Why do they speak English to a nearby tribe? Yeah. I mean, isn't it reasonable to think they speak German as well? So are they on the border, perhaps? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I did watch one show. I think it was called Borderland, where it was, I think they're in Finland, but they're like literally just a couple of miles from the Russian border. So that, you know, then when they would cross, they would speak English you know, when they were encountering Russian. Okay. So maybe it's something like that. Other than that, yeah, Fred, that's, that's something I, I don't understand now. <laughs> well, just um, about that, you know, that, I mean, what I was thinking, cause you know, I, that, that was also something I wondered as well, you know, maybe it's just after 40 years that the people of Europe have moved around so much that, you know, that there's, you know, French or sure. uh, Belgian yeah. or, you know, whatever, like the, like the, the people have, you know, shifted so much that, that maybe the, it's just a mishmash of languages that whenever you encounter a stranger, you automatically default Def- to English yeah. because there's so many different peoples who have um, migrated around Europe in yeah. the last 40 years. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And, and 40, I think it's 45 years. That's a long time. So that, that's, that's a really long time. That's plenty of time for those kinds of things to occur that, that you just yep. mentioned. So uh, now, Fred, great to have your wife on board. Uh, you know, I'm not sure she was banking on this kind of a show when she agreed uh, as a birthday present to watch whatever we were covering next, but ho- hopefully she'll dig it. I don't really know her tastes um so yeah anyway uh, certainly love to hear what she thinks about this show as well anything else about fred's feedback i think we talked about um some of the other things well, he. well i up. just think it's hilarious that in in uh, even in in the netherlands uh teenagers respond with i don't know <laughs> yeah because that's like uh you know that and good are probably the the words i hear the most out of my kids all the time you know how was how was classic good oh, what you talking about i don't know <laughs> it's like that's hilarious so um yeah yeah that's funny also um you know great news about Snowpiercer, I'm very excited. So thank you for letting me know about that. And and also, no, we do obviously we do not put the A in in Europa. Um, so that is, I, I think that they they did that because not as a nod to European languages rather than English, but to kind of harken back to you know Europe as this ancient thing. You know, like all the kind of how society seems to be backsliding to, you know, pre-Roman existence. So I think, you know, just kind of maybe that's why they put the A in Europa in the title. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. All right. You want to talk uh, grade here? That's good. I'm, I'm thinking like you're on the B plus, A minus kind of area. I don't know. I don't necessarily am able to really articulate why that is, except that A, I don't want to start off grading it too strong. And uh, and B, um, I don't know. It was, it was a really good episode. You know, I, I, we often talk about how 
or at least I do, when you're really into an episode, it's over before you realize it's over, you know? And that was certainly the case here. Like, when it ended, I was like, wow, really? Was that 45 minutes? Like, that that's crazy, you know? So maybe I'm thinking maybe A minus, but if you're thinking B plus, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I was thinking B plus, but like you, kind of B plus, A minus, because I think the world building is just so good and what yes. they've been were able to accomplish in 45 minutes okay voiceovers aside i i just think is incredible yes there are some you know trite situations that come up the three siblings being separated uh, you know and her going to find her family okay and and i would agree so I don't know. Maybe we'll. Maybe I'll just list it as B plus slash A minus, and uh, you know, because we can do whatever we want, dude. You know. Yeah, that's we can. So it's right. it's it's my party, and I can cry if I want to. Exactly. So, all right, Fred. Thank you for the feedback, and you know, glad to have your wife on board, as we said. But that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Tribes of Europa. Ragnarok, anything else rambling around your genre TV world, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about chapter two of the German Netflix post-apocalyptic tale, Tribes of Europa. But until then. You know, um, I thought I'd get a lot of blowback by, uh, you know, calling out 2001 as not the that, you know, being that great of a of a sci-fi movie but you know if if people do criticize me all i can say is you guys don't get me <laughs> <laughs>